All right, how is everybody doing today? Welcome to another Mr. Short Game podcast. Hope you're having an awesome day today. It's been a crazy little week for me in the world of golf, so in a great, good way, which uh, is exciting. If you are watching on YouTube, um, welcome. And this is just, it's really meant to be listened to. So you can watch if you want, or you can listen if you want. Uh, all other uh, podcast uh, stations will be, hopefully, should be carrying the podcast. So wherever you're listening, thanks so much for tuning in. Appreciate the love and support. Just did a Maverick Driver review, posted it on my YouTube channel, so be sure to check that out. I'm going to go out later today and do an on-course playing with the Maverick, so that will be up on my channel soon, so always be checking back there to get the latest and greatest up-to-date stuff, product reviews, tips and drills, all that kind of good stuff. And as you can see, I'm if you're watching, I'm not a one club manufacturer person i've got uh, the maverick in here now well that's because i cut open my ts3 uh that's on my youtube channel too so be sure to check that out Uh, a lot of good feedback i know cringe a lot of cringe comments when i was cutting open the um the real one i don't blame you that hurt me too so hopefully i get a new one but just to uh if you haven't seen the review the maverick on my initial testing just for the review i was hitting that thing far so it's got some cool stuff uh upgrades from their ai flash face technology from the epic flash and an update of the rogue so it's kind of a crossover a a hybrid between the rogue and the epic flash so fantastic driver but i also have the titleist three woods i'm using ben hogan irons right now and i have an odyssey putter so i'm just using whatever whatever i like whatever's working well and i have the ts the t200 irons from titleist but i just right now prefer the the hogan so there's a lot of cool stuff coming out i haven't hit the new tailor-made driver yet so looking forward to doing that soon a lot of other products coming out. The SM8 wedges from Voki should be here. I should have my set any day now. So I'm looking forward to taking my gamers out on the course and showing you what those have in store. And also heading to the PGA show. So that will be an exciting time. And I'll be able to hit all the clubs, do a lot of cool stuff out there, have planned in store for you. So be sure to check out the YouTube channel for all that good stuff. And Please follow along on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I do some stuff there, here and there. I'm not the greatest TikToker. Is that what you say, TikToker? But uh, learning the ropes, man. All the young kids have got that kind of dialed in. And so it's not really uh, my my cup of tea per se. I'm more of a YouTuber. But we're going to get more into that later on in this podcast episode. Because we're going to talk about my story, the Mr. Short Game story, how I got to where I am in terms of you know what I do on YouTube now full-time doing this channel. So I'll give you my story on that. We're going to talk about golf instruction because it kind of uh, applies to my story and how I got here. And then we'll dive into just a golf influencer space currently, what's happening in this industry, market, whatever you want to call it. And what I see and what I think the future holds for golf influencers slash creators. There's a difference too, by the way. So we're going to get into that. And uh, and let's dive right in. Let's dive right into my story of how I, how I got into golf and how I got to where I am here in really this YouTube space, which I didn't initially even want to do it. But it uh, it has worked out, so I'm glad about that, and I get to do what I love. But I've shared my story somewhat on my YouTube channel many times, little pieces of it here and there, and I say that, and it's it's all true, obviously, but I started golfing when I was 18 years old after I graduated high school. So I had grown up playing soccer. I played some football. I wrestled on the wrestling team in high school and I also was on the track team in high school. I was a pole vaulter of all things. So 
did a lot of things. And then after I graduated high school, I realized that I always did better in school than when I played a sport. So I was going to a junior college at the time and I said, okay, I need to be playing a sport because I wasn't doing well. And I just started and I, I was like, okay, what do I do? But even that summer I had started hitting golf balls at the driving range. A friend of mine uh, worked at this driving range. Actually, it was in San Diego. It was Carmel Mountain Ranch driving range. They used to have a driving range, believe it or not, that there are now homes and condos where the range used to be. Uh, I guess that was more profitable than actually uh, hitting golf balls. But my buddy worked there. So we would go. I'd go with some friends, and we would hit balls. And uh, he just gave us free-range balls. He ended up getting fired, by the way. But uh, whatever. That's beside the point. He gave us free balls to hit. And so I would hit balls. And then my grandfather, who played daily, lived on a golf course, knew that I was starting to hit balls and do things like that. So he invited me. To play with him. He said, whenever you want to play, I'd love to take you out for your first time. So I said, great. So he said, look, just keep practicing and practicing and practicing. And then on Thanksgiving, we'll go out. That'll be your first first time. So I said, great. So even though my buddy Eric, he wanted to go play, I said, I'm going to hold off. I want my first time out on the course to be with my grandfather. Just want a, a memorable experience with him. So I waited for that and went out there, Canyon Lake Country Club in uh, Lake Elsinore, it was Canyon Lake, but near Lake Elsinore. And I did a video on that on my YouTube channel too. It didn't go, it didn't get a ton of views, but it meant a lot to go back there recently and play, uh, my grandfather died many years ago. So it was cool to go back and see their old home. They had two two homes there on the golf course where they lived in one and they moved down a few homes to another home. Nobody was happy about that, by the way, because it went from a single story home to a two-story, and they're, you know, they're grandparents, they're older, and they, as it, it didn't make any sense, but uh, nonetheless, that's what my grandfather decided to do, so it was cool to go back there and play, but I think I shot 120-something, if, I mean, if we even counted all my shots, which I don't think we did, I think my grandfather finally got frustrated, and he's like, all right, just throw one down there in the fairway, because I hit so many out-of-bounds. But nonetheless, I fell in love with the sport at that time. And then that's, you know, I'm in college, and like I said, I'm not doing well. So that's really when I decided that, hey, I need to play a sport in college. Otherwise, my grades are going to be a mess, and they were already. So I loved golf, and I was thinking about wrestling. I was going uh, to one of the – to a junior college that had one of the best wrestling teams in – the state for junior colleges at the time. So I thought about doing that, but I really thought through it for the first time in my life of, hey, if I wrestle now, I only have my college years and then I don't know how many years after that I'll really be able to wrestle. If I'm not good enough, uh, that's it. That's kind of the end of the road unless I go into coaching or something like that. And I didn't really want to be a wrestling coach. And so I thought, okay, max, if I'm really good, I have maybe 10, 10, 15 years max of wrestling from 18 to 28 and 32, maybe if you're like, like not much beyond that. So I was playing golf. I said, well, I always was able to get good at a sport fairly quickly. So let me just pour everything into golf. So instead of cutting weight, not eating, sweating to death, throwing up in practice. Instead of doing that wrestling, let me put that amount of work and effort into golf and see what happens over the next couple years. And maybe I can transfer to a college because that was my plan and then play on the college team. That was my goal. So I, I started doing that. And that was my mindset. I told my grandfather, I was telling everybody, hey, I, I want to play college golf. And most people rolled their eyes. And my grandfather said, well, look, I'll give you a lesson. I'll pay, I'll pay for a lesson if you want to take it. So I took a, a lesson from a professional, professional, and it, uh, it didn't go well. Like, I had a lot of questions. I was, like, asking, you know, how far, you know, do the pros hit their eight iron? How, how far am I? Am I good? Like, and he just was like, look, you're never going to be able to hit it as far as the pros, Okay. 
that's just not going to happen. And I was like, well, why not? And he said, well, they, they started so much younger than you. You're 18. It's not going to work. And I always remembered hearing Jack Nicholas started when he was 10 or something like that. At least when I was 18, that, that's what I had remembered hearing. And I was like, okay, he was 10. I'm 18. So he had an eight-year head start on me. And I'm like, okay, well, if I just work as hard as he did, he just has – then I'll just – I could get there eight years later. What's the big deal? At least that was how I would think about things. Maybe I was somewhat crazy, but that was my mindset. And I said, even if I'm not going to be on the, the tour, at least I could be really good and compete at a high level. So I don't see why I can't get there. It doesn't make any sense. So anyways, he, this guy just throughout the course of that hour lesson, it was just discouraging to hear him say like you'll never be able to do that it you know you're too old to start and be that good uh it was so it was a real downer but i was like okay i'm just i'm never coming back to you again and then i just practice on my own day in and day out and i work and i chip in my parents backyard into a coffee can i'd go to the junior college i went to had a range that was about 120 yards in the back parking lot and you had to bring your own balls and pick them all up. So I would do that. I would get there a couple hours early before class. And my class was like at 8 in the morning. So I'm there at 6 a.m. hitting balls till 7.50. And I'm picking them up, racing to class. And I did that day in and day out. And I would go to this golf course in San Diego. It's uh, Saquon uh, Resort now. It used to be called Singing Hills. So I would go there. They had a great little short game area in the back. It's still there today. And I would go there on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, and I would get there crack of dawn, and I would practice my short game for a couple hours. Then I would go to the putting green, that would, the one that was nearest the driving range. And I would hit, uh, I would practice putting, and I would watch and just keep an eye on the range and anybody who left balls there, I would go grab the balls before anybody else could. And I'd just have a basket, I'd fill it up. And then when I had enough balls, a full basket, I'd go to the range and hit balls for an hour. Then I'd go back to the short game area. And then I'd do it again. I'd do that like two times throughout the course of the day. And I'd literally be able to hit two full baskets of balls for free. And then I'd be uh, chipping and putting all day. And then in the late afternoon, I would go play the, the back nine. So I had like sun up to sundown golf on the weekends. And then during the week, I'd be in class and doing my thing. And I'd go out to Torrey Pines Golf Course and just practice putting there. And back in that day, it was like Twilight was like $8 to play. So I'd put my name in. You'd have to wait a couple hours. So during the week, I would get there and I would put my name in and then I'd go putt. And you'd two, three hours later... They call your name and you get to go play Tory Pines. And that was a great, great time. Good learning experience. And then anytime it rained, I'd go to Tory Pines. Nobody would be there. I get to play by myself, play two to three balls. It was fantastic. And it's not the same today, but that's how I grew up in the game. About a year, about when I was 19, 19 and a half, I broke my wrist. And I went, I remember I went to the emergency room. Uh, it was so crowded. I left. I didn't even go back. So it hurt. It was, uh, it was broken. I didn't go back for a year after that when I hurt it again, playing softball fell on it and it was, it was broken. So the doctor wanted to operate. So he put me in a cast for a little, a couple, a couple months and then it didn't heal. Then he operated, did a little bone graft for my hip, put a screw in there, you know, and I'm trying to, I'm still playing golf during this time with one arm. And my right arm was in a cast that covered my thumb, and I would practice hitting balls and just swinging with one hand, kind of that John Daly style that you see all the time. And that's how I'd practice. And I'd go play. Probably not the best for my wrist, but whatever. Then I got my cast off. Great. Uh, the wrist never healed. The bone never healed. The graft didn't work. So I had a broken bone in there with a pin holding the bone in together or whatever was there together anyways it uh it, it it hurt a little bit but i managed it 
and just kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And then in my last year of college, I tried out for the golf team at San Diego State and then made the golf team. And it was a, an incredible experience. And I knew this, okay, this is my last year of college. This is the last, I'm not going to get this opportunity again. My parents aren't going to pay for any more college after, after this year. So I better be done because they're done. So I enjoyed every single minute of being on the golf team. And I knew at that time that I'm going to make the most of this. And I was there. I was the first one there every day. I stayed till dark. I was there on the weekends, sun up to sundown. And I just, I wasn't the best. I wasn't one of the, you know, worst players on the team. I was one of the, I think we had 10 or 12 guys. I was like number 10 or 11 or like almost at the bottom. So I didn't travel with the team. I didn't get to play in any tournaments, but I was on the team. So I was, I was part of the, the 10 man team, which was, which was exciting for me. And like I said, I knew that it wasn't going to last. So I made every minute count that I was there and really worked on my game and got really good during that time. And then I had a couple lessons from a guy, a few lessons, like one of the pros there at Saquon, I think his name was Mark somebody, I forget, it was Mark something, he would give me free lessons and really help my game, but again, I was still, still struggling to be like consistently low scores, like I could shoot par or whatever, but I wouldn't do it four rounds in a row, I'd shoot like a 72, 73, 80, and that, you know, that would be frustrating, but it was just part of the deal and had to um had to work through it and then I would have some really good low rounds and when I graduated college I was really trying to think okay do I want to pursue golf do I want to be a golf instructor do I want to pursue a tour and I was thinking through all of that and I really didn't think I had the means like financially to pursue any type of tour so I I decided to to not do that and to go into really my first passion, which was the television and film industry. So then I moved to Los Angeles and had an opportunity, worked for a production company, and started my career in television and film production at that time. And I said, great, what I'll do is I will use the with the money I make, I'll spend a lot of time practicing golf and taking lessons and just trying to get as good as I can and be a great amateur player. And so that was my plan. And so I continued to take lesson after lesson after lesson from different people and try and but nothing was really clicking with me and i started just learning about all the different ways people teach the different ways they communicate and the different styles well it seemed that the styles of teaching were very similar that everybody was kind of telling me all the same stuff and it was very frustrating for me because it wasn't translating into a better game or my swing wasn't getting any better. And then we're filming my swing. I'm starting to see it for really the first time because in college, I didn't, we didn't, I think, a video of my swing one time. And so now I'm taking lessons and we're starting to see video. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look like I want it to look. And they're telling me what to do and giving me a certain thing to think about but none of it's working so that's when I started okay thinking how am I going to let me teach myself how can I get to where I want what they're saying is not working and this is just this is to how my brain is wired for some reason everybody's a little different I always think okay like when you get sick like not what drug do I need to take to get better is okay why did I get sick and how can I get better uh, is there a way I can get better without taking this drug or did this like, or if I have a headache, like instead of a popping an aspirin, I, my brain just thinks like, okay, why do I have a headache? What, what caused it? Something caused it. My head didn't hurt for, it didn't hurt yesterday. It hurts today. What happened between yesterday and today that made my head hurt? And I do the same thing with my golf swing. It's like, okay, I'm doing this in my golf swing. Why am I doing that? And why is nothing that these professionals are saying is working? Why isn't it working? And so 
I just would go deep into that. And I'm like, okay, let me try a whole bunch of stuff to see if it works. So I started feeling all these different feelings and just trying stuff while I'm videoing my swing. And I'm like, man, when I'm feeling this, like one thought was let me just lean backwards as hard as I can. Maybe that'll stop my club from crossing the line. And I don't know why I thought that. I, I, I tried everything else. It didn't work. So I'm just like trying to arch my back backwards as I swing down in the ball. And then I looked at my swing on video at that time and I'm thinking, well, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want it to look like. And in no, at no point in this golf swing am I arching my back backwards. I'm actually doing what the coaches were telling me to do. But I have a different thought a different feeling than anything they had ever told me. And that really, you know, light bulb goes off in my head. And so then I started doing that with all the other areas of my golf swing, with putting, with chipping, with everything. And I would take notes and and write notes down. I'd keep notepads in my golf bag and say, okay, when this happens, here's the thought, the feeling you want to have. And there's all these crazy feelings. And that kind of... That's where my YouTube videos really come from is all those notes and thoughts and different things I had done over the years because they might look, sound, seem crazy, but everybody's a little different. And that goes into like talking about lessons, talking about instruction. And there's a huge difference between online instruction and real life instruction. And so even with my YouTube channel, my online instruction is very like carefully planned out so that you can actually take these little pieces and then implement them on your own. Whereas if you were with me, we might just stick on one thing, okay? Because if I see you and your setup is not, how I like it to be, then we would just work on setup all day. But what I like about the online instruction is that I can give you like five keys on how to hit better chip shots, and then you can go and implement those yourself. It's not going to look perfect how I would envision it, but it, you're going to ingest it, translate it, interpret it a different way that's going to work for you. And so you're going to be able to take certain keys and apply them to your game. Whereas if I'm trying to give you detailed, specific swing instruction about all the different positions and where you want to be, then when you try to go interpret that, it's going to be different, obviously, because everything's different for everybody and you're not going to do it perfectly. What's going to happen is it's not going to work. If I'm getting too detailed in the weeds of golf swing and uh, biomechanics and kinetic and all this like technical stuff, it's going to get lost in translation when you see it and then go try to do it. Whereas if I just give you keys, one, two, three, four, five, you know, set up hands in the middle, accelerate through the ball. I mean, those are more generic in the sense that you can do that. You can think about these things and they're just simple little keys that you're going to be able to do. Some people knock on guys like me and the instruction we provide online because they're like, oh, that's not. That's not good golf instruction. That's not real golf instruction. That's just, you know, quick fixes and stuff like that. When in reality, it's like I don't do quick fixes. I do you got to work hard. You got to practice hard. But here's what you do in practice. And here's what your practice needs to look like. So, for example, if you're in football practice and you're high-stepping through a bunch of tires, right, I could tell you online, hey, you're going to high-step through the tires. You're going to go as quick as you can. And this is what it's going to look like at night. And I give it to you. That's my golf instruction. A quick fix is, hey, shut your driver at setup, close it a bit, and that's going to help you. That's a quick fix, and that's going to mess you up long term. And then a detailed instruction of that would be, okay, when you're high-stepping through the tires, what we need is a 48-degree uh, level of uh, uh you know, degree of inclination with your right uh, ankle and knee, and it has to extend outward at a 27 degree uh, angle. That way you get maximum impact. And I want you to land specifically on the, you know, that kind of instruction If on the internet will 
destroy your game. It will really take you to a dark place because then when you're on the course, you're thinking about like, am I, am, am I at piece four? Am I, should I, should my elbow be touching my armpit or should it be just one quarter millimeter to the left? Like that's where you're going to go. And I don't want that. I want you to think, uh, you know what I need to do? Um, Matt said, I just need to accelerate faster through the ball and extend, just extend on my follow through. Okay, let me try that. Like that little stuff is going to help you because it's real. It's not a quick fix, but it's easy to digest and um, implement into your swing. So that's the stuff I like to do. And I'm very like careful about what I put out there because I don't want to go to a dark place in the golf swing. I do on my own time. I mean, I get in it, but then I try to get it out to everybody in a way that's, Hey, here's, here's how you, this is, you're going to get there by doing these drills. And so the drills are going to lead you into, into a great place in your golf game. That's going to work. So that's really the difference between, you know, online instruction and live instruction, live instruction, you can get a little more. Well, that's the thing too. When you're looking for a golf instructor here, here's the challenge in the golf industry really. And it's not knocking instructors, but most people who go into golf instruction are real analytical thinkers. They're guys and girls who get deep into the analytics and the science behind the swing. It's like your engineer type of brain because it takes a lot of that to be able to understand the golf swing, to understand the ball flight laws and all the pieces that go into creating a good golf swing, balance and where you're in body motion. There's so many biomechanics and all kinds of things that we can get into that create the golf swing, the golf game. And so it kind of attracts that type of person to be the, an instructor. All right. So my, my, my kind of personality is more of like a creative. That's why I went in the television industry. Yet I do love golf so much that I, as a hobby, went into all the pieces and components of the golf swing because I wanted to understand it for me and my game. So that's the challenge. When you are looking for an instructor, here's some things I would look for. What language do they speak? And I'm not talking Chinese or Spanish or anything like that. I'm talking about are they speaking the language of uh, engineer? Are they speaking language of uh, like get it done, do it now type of person? Probably not. Most of them are going to be engineering type of analytical thinkers. Okay. So for me, that's not how I learn. I don't learn best like that. I learn best through drills and repetition, similar to if you're learning music. That's how music is taught. Pretty much any good instructor will, will teach music this way. You, you have proper fundamentals, and then you learn scales, and you learn basic songs, note reading ability at the basic level, twinkle, twinkle, little star, and then you graduate on to something else, okay? And you keep getting better and better and better, and you get more advanced as you go. So that's how music is taught, and that's how golf, in my opinion, should be taught. There are juniors I teach, which I love because these kids, young kids come in, and we learn setup. If they don't set up correctly, I would be, it would be irresponsible of me. Malpra golf swing malpractice. If I take them, them to more in-depth swing stuff, why would I have them taking full swings if they can't even set up consistently and properly every single time? So I even tell their parents, we're, this, we're going to be working on setup. And it's going to be all the whole hour. In putting, we're going to set up. If they, can't putt, if they can't set up good, we're going to stick there. Stay there. Chipping, we have to set up properly. When you're hitting balls, all we're, you might not hit a ball. You're going to just work on setup. So I'm making sure... The basis, the foundation is laid. So most of us, unfortunately, have a faulty foundation in our golf swing. And that's because some instructor took us into golf swing before we had any fundamentals. We started learning how to play 
uh, Stairway to Heaven on the guitar, and I don't even know what a C chord is, right? You don't even know the basics, and yet you're trying to play Steve Vai or some crazy rock and roll like lead guitar riff. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know why golf instructors do that other than they feel like if you're going to pay that much money that you should hit some balls. Now, I don't. I don't care. If you never come back, I don't care. It, I mean, I want you to, but I am not going to be responsible for your faulty foundation. If you come to me, we're going to work on things that are deficient in your game. I'm going to, I'm going to look at you. If your setup is not correct, we're going to fix it. And I'm going to make sure you can do it every single time because that's the, the foundation to everything. There's a lot of different grips and there's a lot of different things, but if there are glaring problems in your golf swing, I'm going to rewind it back to where the problem is and we're going to stay there. And it might take a while and you might not like it. And I'm not there to collect a paycheck. I'm there to be responsible person and say, you're going to entrust me with something that's dear to your heart. I'm going to be, I'm going to do the best job I can, whether you like it or not. And hopefully you do. So that's my thought in terms of, let's say, personal, in-person golf instruction. And then when I go on YouTube and I do tips and things like that, uh, that's the drill part of good fundamental, foundational fundamental things in the golf swing. And so when I, when you're looking for an instructor to take lessons from, if they're, if you're hitting balls and there's something wrong and they're trying to fix little pieces of your swing and not giving you drills, I, for me, I would have, I would have a concern about that because I want them to look at the fundamentals and then give me drills so that I can accomplish that. Just like any music teacher would give you drills. Here's your worksheet for the week. Do these drills. And then when people come back to me, uh, it, it, and your music teacher would do this too. If you can't play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star when you go back next week, the music teacher's gonna be like, uh, did you do the drills? Did you do the worksheet I gave you? Uh, no, I didn't. Okay, so, so as a golf instructor, when somebody comes back to me the following week and they don't do what I asked them to do, then guess what? I don't move forward either. I'm like, okay. You're going to be here for an hour. We're going to go back. We're going to do the exact same thing we we did. And then we're going to work on the things you should have done. And we're not going to move forward until you do the drills I give you to do on your own. And that's how golf instruction, in my opinion, should work. And like I said, they should speak your language. If you're somebody who is real analytical, then great. Maybe that instructor can give you a little more analytical piece of it a little bit so you can understand like, okay, you're doing this drill because you want to get these pieces of your swing corrected. So if you're not analytical and that stuff just tunes you, you tune that out, then that instructor should be aware of that and be able to pick that up and say, okay, here's the drills you're going to do so that you can hit a draw, hit a fade. They need to tailor it to your personality so that they're speaking your language. Whether they're the same as you or not, it doesn't matter. They should be able to adjust and adapt to help you out. Because really, you're only going to retain a small portion of the stuff you hear. And, and so it's going to take time. You need to hear it re repeated over and over and over and over again. All right? So that's instruction and what to look for in terms of an instructor when you're getting out there in the world and hopefully you're – you're taking some time to invest in your game a little bit and at least if you're and if you're searching the interwebs for golf instruction yeah hopefully you're finding people and I'm you know I'm not the only guy out there I know that and there's other great online instructors that are that could really help your game but in my opinion, I think you need specific drills to be able to do on your own and then even stuff that you can do while you're playing and have keys and thoughts about what to do while you're out there actually on the golf course when you, when you need it. When you maybe get in trouble, okay, here's what to think about. Here's my keys for the day and go about uh, doing that. And then what's the difference now, you know, YouTube and 
everything. There's a lot of golf, let's say, influencers out there, which is great. I mean, it's good for me because the more creators and influencers there are out there, the the more traffic gets driven to YouTube and the social media platform. So it helps everybody grow. So that's fantastic. But there's a big difference between, let's say, creators and influencers. Because influencers, in my opinion, are more, let's say, your Instagrammers, uh, people or TikTokers. There's people on TikTok who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers on these little videos. Okay, that's fantastic. And they're really, uh, it's geared towards certain people and that's that's great, okay? That's hopefully gonna translate into people, more people wanting to get into the game of golf. Although not all of that is is my, let's say, my style, something I'm, I'm into. I'm not like, for example, I'm not a trick shot. I don't do any trick shots. That's not my thing. I'm not a trick shot guy because I don't know. It just was never my thing. I'd rather go out and play. But there are a lot of trick shot people out there. And we'll see if it works uh, and gets helps people get in the game. But to me, it seems like it's it's getting more people into the let's say trick shot game or the let's say influencer side of it, where you just want you just want a lot of followers because everybody is a lot of people are trying to just get followers and likes and things like that on social media it's really social media can be very uh challenging especially for the younger generation coming up because it's that's where you sadly a lot of people get their self-worth and their value and i hope that's not the case because that's not what's important what's important is that you're doing what you love to do do what you love that's been my motto from the get-go is i'm doing youtube because i love it and then, you know, after I went into the television industry and I was an editor for a number, many years and I worked for, you know, big companies. I worked for CBS. I worked for uh, NBC a little bit. I worked for 20 television, a lot of big television companies. And then the industry started changing and the stuff I did started changing and actually transitioning and people started moving out to have the work done to other states because they were better tax incentive and things like that. So a lot of what I was doing was getting moved to New Orleans and Atlanta, Georgia and uh, states on the other side of the country where, you know, I'm in California, so I didn't want to move. And so I started freelancing really for the first time ever. And I started getting gigs where I was now editing and producing and creating uh, YouTube videos for creators big time creators out there and i'm like wow and i would look at some of the numbers in terms of what they got paid and then i'd see some of the views on the now some of the views some of these creators got like billions of views so uh that's one thing but then some of them i did they're like they're getting a big number big check uh brand deal and the views on that video which i did isn't getting hardly any views maybe 10 20,000 views so, and at the time, since I was freelancing, I had been doing some golf projects. And so I would put these on a YouTube channel that I had. So, I, you know, I started getting some followers, but, you know, a thousand or two thousand, not hardly any. So, but some of the videos got a lot of views and we would, I would use those videos to help. I'd make videos for my friend Pete at amateurgolf.com who I had met playing golf at Torrey Pines and did some freelance work for. And so we would put together some commercials or videos that we would pitch to golf companies. He would pitch to golf companies because he was trying to grow his business, amateurgolf.com. I'll plug them. My friend Pete does a great job there. So he's growing his business and paying me to do the videos or giving me free golf stuff. So that was fun. He would take me to Arizona and different things. We would play golf. And he took me to the PGA show for the first time uh, a number of years ago. So I was doing those projects for him and uploading those on my YouTube channel as early as like 2008, 2009. Back when YouTube was really brand new and there weren't any golf creators on YouTube. Literally, I was like one of the first golfers to put videos on YouTube. 
I just didn't really do anything with it for a number of years other than these videos from time to time that we would use as ways to pitch other brands to for for Pete to get sponsorships for his website and he, that's what he did so that's that's how really my channel started and I got enough of a following to monetize my channel at the time even though I was doing nothing and you don't make any money you make like a dollar every you know 6 months so they don't give you any money until you make a hundred dollars. So like four years later, I got a check for like $102. <laughs> it's crazy. Anyways, now, you know, that then at the later on, I was, like I said, freelancing for different companies, making YouTube videos. And I'm thinking, man, some of my YouTube videos that I did with Pete have more views than they have for their brand deal. So, I'm just like, what's going on? Like, how, how, how are they getting so much money for doing that? And man, my video got more views than their video. So, anyways, we're at the PGA show one year in 2019, 2016, 2015, 16, something like that. And Pete and I are, I'm working for Pete, We're making videos, and I put. One of the videos I did with um, this kid, this one-armed kid, Tommy, I put it on my channel. A piece of it I put on my channel just because I was interviewing him. I thought it was cool. So I put that on my channel. And it, it that year, it got a ton of views. But before I even posted that, Pete and I were golfing with his friend Pete, who is always down there as well. And so we're playing and we're talking about videos and I want to do something more in golf full time and he said you sh you know we were talking about my website not so much my videos but my website slash videos at the time and he just said you should get real specific and niche he said maybe you should do something around the short game because you have you got a great short game and maybe just be really um specific in that area of the game so i said well okay interesting so that night we went out and went to dinner at some turkish restaurant we were drinking this turkish coffee and it was so good. Like I had two of those, like a, ten, a second one, like at 10 o'clock at night. So jacked, wired all night, couldn't sleep. So I started thinking about what he had said about the short game. And I started kicking around different names of what it might be. And Mr. Short Game was one of those, came to my, my head. And I looked it all up on social media to see if it was even available. And sure enough, uh, nobody owned it. So I bought it and bought the website, changed my Instagram, Twitter, YouTube account, all over to Mr. Short Game. And then really that whole year, still didn't do anything other than post that video with Tommy, the one-armed kid, and that got over 100,000 views during that year. And I was also kind of doing my website to, to, to kind of transition it to Mr. Short Game and just do some blog posts and stuff like that. Nothing really major, but that's that was the initial intro for me into Mr. Short Game. And then uh, later that year, at the end of the year, I decided to, through you know encouragement from some of my friends and the other work I did for the freelance work in terms of uh, making YouTube videos for other people, I learned a ton in that space and I said, huh, I think I should really do this and do short game videos. And that's how really Mr. Short Game was born. And it's been two years now that I've been posting videos and it's become uh, a great full-time profession for me. And that's what I do. And I, I don't make a ton of money, but I'm able to survive through the help of everybody who listens and watches the channel. And I super appreciate that. And now, we're getting into, you know, a space where a lot more people are transitioning into the YouTube space. Let's say the influencers who are Instagrammers and big on Instagram or Twitter and in that space, they're transitioning into YouTube. And that's a big, big challenge. So I feel lucky in the sense that I had a big television and production background because then I at least knew the elements that were required or necessary for a television show. So I try to have that included in my 
you know, 10 minute or so video on YouTube. And I'm not always successful, but I have an editing background and a production background. So I'm able to constantly uh, pivot, navigate, update, and do stuff at the drop of a hat. Like yesterday, I got my Maverick driver at four o'clock and I, it gets dark at 5.30. And I was like, oh, they launch tomorrow. Let me get out there and make a video. And I went out, shot a video, edited it up, ready to go. So luckily I have that background. It's not the greatest video I, I could have ever done, but I like, I just didn't have the time. So that's, that's where I feel like I'm lucky in the sense I'm able to, I have that background, that work history, that, you know, 20 plus years of doing television production. So in terms of the grind of the job of producing content day in and day out, I have, I've, I've got a 20 year history of doing that. So I'm, I'm used to that part of it. That's easy. I can do that every day. I can do that all day. I could produce more videos than three, three days a week if I wanted to. I just feel like two or three is, is a good number for, you know, people to consume, to digest, to be able to work on the drills, to get a, uh, a tip, to get a review, product review, which initially I didn't even want to do product reviews because I just, I didn't think it was my thing. And the, the more I did it, the more I liked it, the better I got at it, and the more I want to do it. But it's really a challenge to transition, let's say, for people from Instagram. This is, this is the challenge, okay? You see a lot of people who are launching their YouTube channels. And, man, I wish them the best because they, there's, there's a number of people. I'm not going to call people out by name, but there's a number of people really going, going into YouTube, golf, golf influencers going into YouTube. And you, you just like, man, you, you, you got it, but it's going to take more than what you do on Instagram because Instagram is a quick a minute, 30 seconds, 10 seconds. TikTok is a short little quick little snippet. And then that's what you're used to doing and you get massive amounts of following. But on YouTube, you just can't do the same thing. You'll get no views, no nothing. It won't be a success. So you need to be able to put together, let's say, a mini show in that 10 to 20-minute space that is going to capture people and give people what they're looking for. And hopefully, you know, more creators are going to be able to do that in a good way. And, you know, even me, like I don't watch a ton of other golf creators. Some do a great job. And some are just not not my thing. Even though they could have a, a huge following, it's not necessarily something that, that I like. But everybody's different. That's what's great about YouTube and the space uh, that we're in. And I don't like to say we're influencers. I like to say we're on YouTube, we're creators. You're creating something. You're making a video that is hopefully providing some level of information, entertainment, and connection between you and me that helps us you, you know helps you kind of appreciate or i don't want to say appreciate helps you uh get to know me a little better because it, the more you know me the more you know you would want to watch or connect with my stuff the more trust i can build the more you'll actually improve in your golf game my goal is to help people improve first and foremost that's that's what i want more than anything so when I'm creating, when I'm putting together my video for the day, whatever I'm doing, it's to help people's golf game get better. That's always the number one thing on my list. It's not to get a million views. It's not that I get 50 million subscribers. It's not that I make a million dollars. It's that you improve. And that's what I care about. And so I get to do that. And when I'm out on the course, I have a lot of energy. Of course, I want to have more energy than any Anybody else out there? Because one, I feel like you're going to connect better with that. You're going to remember it better. It's going to sink in. It's going to translate into your actual game better. And, you know, obviously it, I want to be different than everybody else. I don't want to be the same. That's not good. But also I have that much energy because that's my favorite time of the day of getting out there 
and shooting a video. I'm on the golf course. I'm doing what I love. And I'm being able to share it with everybody who uh, is part of the journey. And then, you know, somebody asked me the other day, like, how, why do you always say, you know, you I love you guys? Or how can you love somebody you never met? And I, I, I just replied back. I said, you know, that's where I start. That's where I begin with is love. And I love you guys. If you guys take your time, subscribe to the channel, you watch the video, whatever, give me a, uh, a few minutes of your time uh, because you, you're giving me that level of trust. Like, all right, let me watch this guy's video. Let me trust him for a second, see what he has to say. Man, I, lo I love you for that. I love you because that's where I start with people. I don't just start with like, I don't know this guy. I hate him. Like, I don't go, I don't, that's ridiculous. I don't do that. I start out with love and then I stay there. If you do something bad to me, well, that that's your problem. That's not my problem. That's you. Okay. That I'm not going to hate you because of it. So, cause I'm no, I'm no perfect person either. And you know, we all, we all got flaws. I just, I just hope, you know, people don't hate me initially or even if I mess up that that's it, you're out forever. Like I, I'm not like that I like to be forgiving, and so it, that's just – so that's where I like to start. So anyways, how can I love someone I never met? It's how couldn't I really is is the key. And, you know, the this space I'm in now creating videos on YouTube day in and day out, love it. Absolutely love it. And I wish everybody good luck out there who is moving into like other creators who are moving into the YouTube space. Best of luck to you. Cause it's a great, it's a great space to be in. And I just hope that, uh, you're able to create content that first and foremost you love and that you you're reaching an audience that is in need of what you have. Cause we all have something unique and special. So I wish you guys all the best of luck out there and get out there and practice, get your game in shape, practice. It's gonna be a great year. 2020 new decade, new everything. Got new products coming out. It's gonna be exciting and do my podcast here. Hopefully keep it keep it grinding every week. We'll see how it goes, you know. It's a grind. But love doing everything for you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Best of luck to you. Love ya. See ya. Hear ya in the next video podcast.